0: so many books, so little time. If you've ever said, I really want to read the Bible, I just can't fit it all in. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the club. club.
1: This is the Bible Book Club.
0: We'll read it to you and help you make sense of the most important book you'll ever read. But We are right in the middle of what is Possibly one of our favorite stories, Joseph. Not possibly, definitely, definitely Susan's, and possibly mine because I really love so many of these stories. But King David is one of my personal favorites. Oh, so I can't... didn't know that. Did can't... I know that? Probably but... because well, I'm going to talk about it. Joseph. Joseph, Nehemiah, and Esther are mine. Oh, Nehemiah is one of my favorite books about leadership in the Bible. Oh, Yes, without a doubt. But yes. King David, it's just such a special story, in my opinion. So anyway. Back to Joseph, because he really is a special man, and this episode is called Prison, A Path to the Palace, and you're gonna find out why, but let me catch you up really quickly because we have a lot going on. So last week was the story of Judah and Tamar. The story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, both men have a massive mission in the Bible and Joseph is chosen by God. He's going to save his people, save the Israelites. Judah's chosen by God though, to produce the savior of the world, two lineages. And they're both very important to this overall story. Both women are wily. They want the same thing, sex. So we're talking about Potiphar's wife and Tamar. One is for pleasure, though, and one is for procreation. In the story of Judah and Tamar, Tamar finds favor wanting God's promises more than Judah, and Judah admits it, declaring her righteousness. In the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, Joseph finds favor by risking his life to avoid the temptation of Potiphar's wife. And God uses this to strangely and strategically place Joseph where he wants him so that he can set him up for some future greatness. Exactly. So here's the setup
1: for chapter 40 and 41. Bible book club is just that, a book club. And so we read, but if I could choose a form of media to visually the disparate life of Joseph, I would choose a documentary. Now, perhaps, you know, to you that may sound boring, but with all the Netflix documentaries out there, open your eyes. There's some really cool stuff. Perhaps that sounds kind of boring to you, but really, how can we imagine in our heads the stark contrasts of Joseph's journey um, as it bounces back and forth between cherished and chained poverty and power? What would it feel like if we could really walk the streets with Joseph from seeing the warmth of his cherished childhood compared to the cold loneliness of his slavery and then the dirty, dark despondency of his imprisonments to j- then just jump to this brilliant, rich, powerful life in the palace. I don't think any other form of media would get the like earthy grubbiness and glorious beauty of how he's
0: really being tossed about. But Have you be- ever been to Israel? I have not. And I really want to go. Me too. I wonder if we could go and see some of these places where he was. Well, well, can we go see that prison? Is it even still there?
1: And re- probably not. But remember, also, to me, I was trying to visualize, you know, these are, this is thousands of year to, years ago. This wasn't prison like we have prison. This was like, they throw you in a hole. And yeah, chain you. and Yeah. Or you sleep not, on there's... hay. And, you know, he he had come from this cherished position and then he ends up in this. This beautiful palace with servants, second in command in the country. So he oh went gosh, from rags to riches. Us. I know I'm getting hot. So before we get to the palace, <laughs> we must consider that Joseph's life has been this rapid progression of injustices up until this point. He was unjustly hated by his brothers, unjustly sold into slavery, unjustly accused of rape, unjustly put in prison, and unjustly he's going to lose over a decade of his life to suffering. That is a lot for a young man to handle.
0: But I think there's this really important thing, and this is a theme in the Bible, you'll find as we continue to read a lot of different stories there's something that God can do with mm. your strife something that God can do when you go through a difficult season it makes you better and it prepares you for the plan and the purpose that he has for your life and this is what you're gonna see played out right here in the well, story I think of no
1: pain no gain and the pain is great for this poor kid each new event had to have just tortured his soul because it, it, it was unjust that just makes it that that much worse when he must have been thinking would it end yeah. like how could he Every
0: point he thought it was as bad as it could be, he must be thinking, can it get any worse? Okay, but here's what I want every listener right now to do. If you are in a season like this, I want you to pay attention to that. If you are in a season where you're thinking, when is this going to end? Just know that on the other side of that, God has something really great for you. And watch how this plays out in the life of Joseph suffer well. The other thing I, I was thinking, he must be thinking is where was his father and why
1: hadn't he come for him? And how I would have thought over and over again, could my brothers have done this to me? I would never do this to a brother. How could they have done this to him? It had to have tortured him. Joseph's situation was ripe for growing hatred, bitterness, and revenge. And yet with each new injustice, there is no record of bitterness at all. Joseph simply, obediently moves forward growing in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Hello, just like Jesus. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And that's why Joseph heads up coming at the end of this episode is a foreshadowing of Christ. So don't we all wish we could grow like that? And perhaps that is the whole purpose of this unjust decade in training, wisdom and leadership. That's why Joseph was going through what he was going through. No pain, no gain. He was growing. After 10 years, Joseph will have perfected two gifts, one simple interpreting dreams and one huge one, leadership. And I want to point out that I said perfected two gifts because I think he had them all along. So this is for the moms out there, but- Or the perfects like me, the Enneagram one. Yeah. A gift before it's matured can be problematic in a child. When Joseph saw dreams as a boy and maybe (gasps) bossily or boldly told them to his brothers- he they, were
0: annoyed they were annoyed with him for it.
1: He just didn't have the wisdom for how
0: to use this information. And as a future leader, he thought he should just let everyone know about it. Oh, it's like speaking of Netflix, I'm watching this show with my daughter right now. And there's this like wizard show and <laughs> the, the kids, they just don't know how to use that they power don't. that they have now. It That's caused Joseph it
1: trouble. Mean? So think about this. Sometimes that is the way with giftedness. And as a mom, if you see this in your child, just ponder it because a A child's gifts can be problematic. Think about it. A child with the gift of communication may be irritatingly chattering nonstop about everything. But as an
0: adult, that child may have the gift of communication and it may make them a great teacher or politician. So the email I got from my son's teacher saying he just can't go three minutes without talking. <laughs> he's really going to do something great. He's got, yeah, he's oh, got a future. Oh, so good, I can't wait. Yes, a child with
1: the gift for leadership may be bossy as a child, but later they may become a CEO. The child who destroys every toy by taking it apart may one day become an engineer or a mechanic. You just don't know what is a child that's a problem may become their greatest gift in the future. So ponder that moms. Think about it. If you're not a mom about your past, what were you like
0: <laughs> annoying about? And today, is it not a gift that you've developed? Well, I love this because you've been there and you've walked through this with five kids. Yeah, five and kids. here I am in the middle of this with just my little old two you <laughs> And it's definitely something that I struggle with because you have to correct some of that behavior, but I don't want to break the spirit of the child or take away anything from that giftedness. I can tell you, hands down.
1: One of my children was great at discerning people. Like Mm -hmm. she picked just the right friends and everything. She became, she went into HR, human relations. She was great at it. Another child was walking around driving us crazy, singing all the time, doing this and that. We didn't know till seventh grade, she had a voice. She got a scholarship for music theater. She's using her artistic talents now to design windows at Nordstrom. You just don't know what frustrates, especially their siblings when they're a child, may become their greatest gift. So Joseph has had a decade in prison and as a slave to perfect the use of dreams and leadership, and they are going to be his ticket from prison to the palace. We're going to start
0: today in chapter 40 with dreams of bread and wine. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the men, the cupbearer and the maker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in the prison, had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning. Of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. All right, years are passing by Joseph. In fact, there are 11 years spent between
1: Potiphar's house and prison. Most, it seems in prison, as it was, quote unquote, some time before the cupbearer and baker showed up. And then again, quote unquote, some time before they dreamed. But Joseph is not discouraged. We can tell this because he attends his duties with detail and currently caring for the cupbearer and baker are part of his job. Also, God is growing Joseph's leadership skills. We know this because Joseph saw the cupbearer and Baker's dejection and Joseph cared. That is the sign of a good leader. They see things and they care. They want them to get better. So Joseph serves responsibly in prison and finds favor with those over him. The warden placed him in charge of important people. The cupbearer is traditionally a very high position in the king's court.
0: Don't they make sure that the king doesn't get poisoned? Exactly.
1: And the baker similarly, but the cupbearer especially is very important and often very close with the king or the pharaoh and considered somebody that he consults with. So Joseph serves responsibly in prison for those and finds favor with those over him. But also Joseph serves compassionately in prison and finds favor with those under him. And that is a gift in and of itself. Exactly. leadership gift. He gives the same consideration for those above him that he does for under him. Joseph is prospering even in prison. This dark, terrible place. Joseph then attributes the credit to God. So he's still remaining faithful, even though he has sunken to the very bottom of life, prison. He is still giving God the credit for whatever success he has. Joseph made it clear that the credit for any
0: interpretation he gave was God's. I love that because in a past episode, we talked about giving glory to God Mm -hmm. for whatever is going on. And he just does that from the very beginning. He is so humble. The
1: man has got it going on.
0: Point here I wanna make is your opportunities
1: to do something for God can happen anywhere, even in prison. They can happen on the floor of your playroom with your children. They can happen in the boardroom of a Fortune 500 company. Your opportunity to do something for God is an opportunity that is always in front of you no matter where you are. Okay, keep going.
0: Verse nine. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters opened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon.
1: So poor Joseph, one has to wonder if he knew that dreams are his only way out because he's really like just begging, get me out of here. Just remember me. Any important person he meets, he's probably going to remember me. Get me out of here because his time is slipping away. His life is slipping away. And he knows that the cupbearer is a high position. So he kind of begs to be remembered. Dreams, I just want to mention this little thread, are all throughout the Bible. And we've already covered Abimelech had dreams. Um Jacob's had dreams. They're gonna continue throughout the Bible and they were a a way of God communicating. Even another Joseph far in the future in the New Testament, Mary's husband, is going to have a dream that he is to to remove them to Egypt for safety. And so God used dreams. I read a lot about them, what, you know, how to interpret them, whatever. There's not a lot of mystery here.
0: It, it, It was a gift that Joseph had and he interpreted them and it happens often in the Bible. Continuing on verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, Well, I too had a dream. On my head, there were three baskets of bread. On the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away at your flesh. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however did not remember Joseph he forgot him. Okay so just a little
1: funny Mm -hmm. thing that Mm -hmm. I did read Mm -hmm. about this kind of lifting up of the head because it's the same word in Hebrew. So in the first case he lifts up the head of the cupbearer, and he lifts up the head and takes it off of the baker (laughs) and then he impales him and that was the tradition back then. You took off the head and you impaled the body so that's why it says just he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said because usually when you take off
0: the head, you impale the body. Could you imagine being that cupbearer? Because even though Joseph told him that he was going to restore him, I mean, when he's lifting up your head, which is when he usually (laughs) cuts it off, you're probably kind of like, ouch, what's about to happen? Yeah.
1: Now, poor Joseph again, he's got two more years of waiting for his ticket out. Yet Joseph continues in those two years. Have an A plus attitude. And I say A plus because he had, A, an absence of bitterness, A, an absolute trust in God, And A, an awareness of God's presence with him, no matter where he is. And if you can have those three A's, the absence of bitterness, no matter what God brings you, absolute trust in God that this is his plan and it's okay to embrace it for your life, even if it's awful, and an awareness of his presence with you, no matter where you are, then you are going to have an A plus attitude too. Triple A's. Triple A's. Okay, moving on to the next chapter 41, Dreams of Cows and Grain. When two full
0: years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So... He sent for all the magicians and wise men from Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us." I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Again, giving credit to God. Oh, Joseph, you go.
1: Joseph, again, it's two years later. He's still giving credit to God. He's still humble. And this is where I really, you know, compare him to Nehemiah, this dogmatic faith in a good way, dogmatic, this consistent, just consistently giving God the glory, consistently knowing where he's grounded, worshiping, even though he's in prison. I don't know what he was doing to keep his faith, but whatever it was, it was working because he
0: does not forget God ever. Verse seventeen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile when out of the river, there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east winds. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt, wink, wink. (laughs) The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, "'Can we find anything like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God?' All right, I kind of chuckle at this, and like Nehemiah, I keep bringing him up.
1: But it seems like he's just flying off the top of his head. And I want to point out Joseph is a man of God. He may not have known these dreams before he entered this room, but in prayer, he was waiting for God's opportunity, and the Holy Spirit met him there and gave him this idea quickly. And that's exactly what happened to Nehemiah. It just doesn't happen when you're not walking with the Lord. But he is clearly walking with the Lord, and he is. He asked, I'm sure, before he walked in that room, Lord. I don't know why I'm being summoned to Pharaoh, but speak through me Mm -hmm. because they're going to ask me something and I don't know how to answer. And God does. And of course, of course, why would Pharaoh not like this plan? Let's just talk about this plan because it, of course, it sounded good to Pharaoh. He was going to get so rich from this plan. Think about it. This is like a government official's dream. The people pay a 20% tax in grain for seven years. And why wouldn't they? Because they're told, oh, it's because God told me and there's going to be a famine. Okay, yes, we all don't want to starve. So let's do it. Then during the famine, Pharaoh sells the grain back to the people. So then he makes more money on it. it he makes money on it. <laughs> he makes money on the grain that they gave him. Hmm. Then when the people run out of grain, he can charge in their land and then he becomes landowner as payment. Well, isn't that just a trick of government? Very convenient. Pharaoh has everything to gain and nothing to lose. So he's looking at this kid, Joseph, who's not a kid anymore, he's like 30. And he's like, where did this guy come from? He's smarter than all my magicians he can interpret this this dream god clearly has anointed him and he's got a really plan that a great plan that benefits me he's mine i'm going to put him in charge and then of course joseph receives the ultimate favor and i mean finding favor he's found favor with god he's systematically been faithful to god not been bitter about his circumstances given god the glory and now he's going to find favor with man and that's how it goes in that verse. You find favor with God first, then you find favor with man. And and Pharaoh's the man he's going to find favor with. He's going to ultimately, Pharaoh's going to see the wisdom of God in him and give him the job.
0: It's just that simple. For it's this simple. Man. But, it's, but it's also, hard, if you are in that season like you're in prison, you're literally in prison. If you, you in prison. are in one of those seasons, right. And you're literally in prison or even figuratively in prison in a place where you feel like God has forgotten you, he is not. He's preparing you.
1: And right now, your marriage can
0: feel like prison. Your house can feel like prison. Your job can feel like prison. Your finances, your kids, your health. Can all feel like prison. Yes, but God's going to get you through it. Just give him the glory like Joseph did. And find favor with God. If you just please God,
1: you may not please your spouse. You may not please your boss. You may not please your kids. But if you please God, he's going to
0: direct your path. So here comes the prison to palace promotion. Verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I thereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride on a chariot as his second in command, and the people shouted before him, "'Make way!' Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt." Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zepinath Penna and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of
1: Egypt. Okay, so he has the job. Let's talk about the perks. Because again, this is, if we were watching this documentary style, this is a radical change. We would see actual footage of what a big deal this was. In ancient Egypt, the second in command was the Grand Vizier. As such, and this is who Joseph would have been, Joseph gets the ring of authority to do whatever he needs. The crown jewels. Yeah, he he has the signet ring that kind of shows that he, it, it was kind of a seal, used it as a seal and he could do whatever he wanted. He was in charge, second in command. He got robes. Again, another robe. <laughs> Only this one is coat. even better yeah, than the To replace a coat that was ripped woman. off to him by his brothers. It's better, finer than any coat his father could afford, elevating his status. So again, all those dreams he had as a child are coming true. His status is elevated. He gets a chariot. Now I want you to think of a large black limousine. Um, of the, this was have been the large black limousine of the day with tinted windows to protect you from the Egyptian sun. It would have been, had everything in it. And then he gets men going before him, clearing the way. Imagine Ray-Ban, Secret Service, and a caravan of black suburbans. That's how he would look today. It would have been a really big deal. So he got the perks. He gets the title. The meaning of the name Zephana Paniah is uncertain, but it is speculated to mean the God, has, the God has spoken and he will live or the one who knows everything. Big deal. He also gets the matrimonial alliance. This one not this was not a love match. It was a marriage ensuring his social status. Joseph's wife was born into the second most powerful priestly family of the day, making his social status as secure as his political status by having the ring, the chariot, and the protection.
0: So she was the daughter of Potiphora, but that's not the same as Potiphar's wife. No, no, right? no. It's of, a totally different uh, He was a pri- priest at the
1: House of On, I think it is. Yeah, yes. So he was right. just a very high priest.
0: So it'd be like, like just marrying the, a princess. Yeah,
1: I kind of equate uh, Joseph at this point to there's nothing in our uh, our political Culture. system, but if you look at like Britain, they have a queen, mm-hmm. Pharaoh, and then they have the prime minister, who really does all the work, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of see Joseph as the one who does all the work. Pharaoh's going, yeah, this guy's got it going on. You're in charge of the whole country. Just do whatever you think. And he does. And he does it well. So truly, he's kind of been Egyptian Egyptianized. Uh, He lives like an Egyptian. He works for the king of the Egyptians, Pharaoh. Yeah. He's married to an Egyptian and he dresses like an Egyptian. On the outside, Joseph is unrecognizable. And this is setting the stage for another masquerade. On the inside, he is faithful and true. And he is just waiting, God, and
0: praying, what do you want of me next? He knows there's something more. Well, here's where it's going to get crazy. Yeah. Verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. I
1: love this. This is such a great comparison to Nehemiah who kind of did the same thing. It says Joseph went throughout the land. Nehemiah circled Israel when he got there, kind of stalking it. And that's such a great point of leadership too, is that we don't make decisions before we've correctly, personally assessed the problems. And that's why Joseph is so great. He he looks at what he needs to do. He assesses it. And then and he makes decisions and he collects systematically and it's going to pay off in the next verses
0: and and if you've never read the book of Nehemiah we will study that yeah, someday will, on I Bible Love book it. club but if you want to read ahead it's a really really great book. On it's something leadership. that
1: actually a manager when I was with Bank of America taught mm-hmm. me he said you can't make decisions for the organization by sitting in our office. You have to go out and talk to the people and visit the branches and talk to the lenders and different people. You
0: can't you can't make a marketing plan for them without considering them first and it's such a great principle. Right verse 50 Before the years of famine came two sons were born to Joseph by Asenod daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said it is because God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering.
1: I think this is kind of a sweet reference to his thoughts of his former family that he still misses. He's saying, I have forgotten all the trouble with my father's household because I have plenty now. And it's because God has made me And the land of my suffering. He sees Egypt still as the land of suffering. And he's kind of thinking, where is my family? You know, he thinks about
0: them all the time, but he sees it as the land of his suffering. However, he looks at them and cares about them so much that he's willing to put that aside in order to spend his life on them. It's his second chance. It's not his first choice, but it's his second chance. Verse 53 The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph has said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then... Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Pharaoh was
1: really happy. All right. Before and next chapter, we're going to see that Joseph's old world and his new world are going to collide. But before he does that, I want to kind of point a couple of things out about him. He's become a man of character and influence like no other patriarch before him. It's like God put all the great characteristics of the other patriarchs and rolled them into this one man because Joseph has the faith and compassion for others like Abraham. He has the quiet submissiveness and persistent faith of Isaac. And he has the loving heart, industry and energetic ability of Jacob. He is without a doubt one of my top three characters I want to be like. Like I said, Esther and Nehemiah are the other two because all three of these were people who saw God's purpose for their life and they fulfilled it with faith and determination, no matter where it landed them or how much danger they were in. They did not waver. They were consistent in their faith and they went with it. I crave that kind of confident determination.
0: And there's one more thing about this. You just brought up his three ancestors. It is really important the influence that you have on later generations. So don't take that lightly. You really have an opportunity to form the next generation and the one after that and the one after that. So do the right thing Mm -hmm. and teach them well and Mm -hmm. show them a life well lived. Well, this great life of
1: Joseph has often been compared to Jesus. Joseph is often said to foreshadow Jesus. In other words, Joseph is a type of Jesus is what you hear. And this is called typology. And it's described as God orchestrated history that has real similarities between persons or events. It's a tool that's used in the Bible. So I'm gonna point out some of the ways the life of Joseph parallels the life of Christ so that you can kind of see this. And we'll probably put it in the show notes. It's a little kind of table that I've created. So both were beloved by their father. Joseph, in the case of Joseph, Israel loved Joseph more, Genesis 37.3. In the case of Jesus, Matthew 3.17 says, this is my beloved son. So both were beloved by their father. Both were envied and hated without cause. For Joseph, they saw that their father loved him more and they hated him in Genesis 37.4. In John 15.25, it says of Jesus, they hated me without a cause. Both of them foretold that they would rule. For Joseph, it was Genesis 37, 7, when he told his brothers that the sheaves would bow down to to mine. Their sheaves would bow down to his. That dream that started the whole thing. Yeah, that dream that started thing. the whole thing. For Jesus, it was Matthew twenty-six sixty-four. They He saw him sitting at the the Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of God. Both were accused of being like crazy dreamers. Uh, in Genesis 37, 19, they said, here comes the dreamer. And in Matthew, Mark 3.21, they said he's out of his mind. So they were kind of both looked at as crazy. Both were rejected and condemned to die. For Genesis, for Joseph, it was in Genesis 37.20, they plotted to kill him. And in Luke 23.21, for Jesus, they crucified him. Both were stripped of clothing. Of course, Joseph in Genesis 30, 37 was stripped of his coat And in Matthew 27, Jesus was stripped totally for the crucifixion. Both were thrown into a pit alone, forsaken. Joseph was thrown into the cistern and Jesus spent three days and nights in hell or earth, as they say in Matthew 12. Both were sold for silver. 20 pieces for Joseph sold to the Ishmaelites and 30 pieces for Jesus sold to the leaders, the the Jewish leaders. Both became a servant, Joseph to Potiphar and Jesus took the form of a servant for us. Both resisted temptation. Joseph, Potiphar's wife, in Genesis 39, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew 4. Both were falsely accused. Joseph, by Potiphar's wife, and Jesus, many testified falsely in Mark 14. Both amazed others with their wisdom. In Genesis 41 today, we read, None is so wise as you, was what Pharaoh said. And in for Jesus in Matthew, they were amazed at his wisdom. Both were promoted to honor. We read that today in Genesis 41 for Joseph. And God has exalted him in Philippians 2 9 for Jesus. Both people all will bow down to them. In Genesis 41 to 43, we're going to see they're going to bow down to Joseph. And then every knee should bow in Philippians 2 10 refers to Jesus. Both provided bread. I love this. In Genesis 41 40, 57, all came to buy grain from Joseph. And then in John for Jesus, I am the bread of life. Both were not recognized by their people. In Genesis, Genesis Genesis 42, we're going to read, the brothers are not going to recognize Joseph. And then the Jews did not recognize Jesus as the Savior. Both have revelation and reconciliation. In Genesis 45, we're going to read, I am Joseph who you sold. He's going to reveal who he is and reconcile with his brothers. And in Romans 11, 26, all Israel will be saved as it is written. He's going to provide the revelation about Jesus and reconcile them to Christ. Well,
0: Susan just gave a little spoiler alert Lots there in lot. that last one but <laughs> hopefully you can see that comparison there and that foreshadowing of joseph to jesus that the whole reason that we're studying the old testament because the old testament just points to the new testament the reason that we needed a savior in the first place and, and your favorite jesus.
1: david is another one is a foreshadowing
0: well i can't wait for you to compare and contrast that one